This is World to Win, bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Welcome back, everyone, to World to Win. I'm Toya. I'm here with Yara, and we have two guests that are talking about a new development that's happening, a really exciting development in the labor movement. But before we get started, I, of course, want to say hi to Yara. Yara, what's going on? How have you been? Oh, it's been busy. It's been so busy, but all good. Um, very exciting. Uh, we have a national committee meeting uh, this weekend, so there's a lot of uh, uh, things to read uh, about kind of Britain and our perspectives for the future, uh, which actually we did have an episode of World to Win about uh, a couple of weeks ago, so you should check it out if you're interested. How about you, Toya? What, what have you been up to? Um, nothing new. I uh, am studying for my electrical license exam, so a little stressed about that, but hopefully I can pass it on the first try. Um, I mean, obviously you can. Yeah, I'll be a real electrician. I won't be an apprentice anymore. It'll be great. Comes with a pay raise, a little bit more respect on the job, you know, pretty excited about it. We'll have to celebrate here. Oh, there will be celebrations. Don't you worry. Um, so let's get started. We have two guests with us today. One from Northern Ireland. We have Amy, who is a coffee shop worker. Amy, how, are, how have you been? What, what have you been up to? Yeah, how's it going? Um, not for, well, this is actually my last day of isolation with COVID, so I haven't been up to much. Um, mostly just chatting, union organizing, getting ready, getting inspired by the Starbucks workers, I have to say, and just getting a pile of reading done. So. That's about it for me. Well, we're glad to have you here. And I forgot to mention that you yourself are a unionized coffee shop worker with Unite the Union Northern um, Irish Hospitality, and you're the branch secretary. So that's that's pretty exciting. Um, we also have Sam White um, from the U.S., who is also a union coffee shop worker with Unite Here. Sam, what have you been up to? Yeah, um, a lot of the same. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time to, to brush up on a lot of labor history and, and apply it to the really exciting situations going on right now. Um, I was just out in Seattle. I think we're going to talk a bit more about that. We just had this, um, this really exciting um, get together of unionizing coffee shop workers, a lot of Starbucks workers, uh, myself, members of Socialist Alternative, and of course, Shama Sawant um, in the city council there. Um, and yeah, in Boston, there's just a lot going on with this um, this coffee shop organizing wave. Yeah, so for those who haven't heard, right now in the U.S., we're seeing a wave of unionization efforts through coffee shop workers, which is a new thing in the U.S. It's not something, uh, it's not an industry that is uh, super organized, and it started in, in New York State, in upstate New York, uh, in Buffalo, with Starbucks, but also some local coffee shop chains um, in the in the Boston area, like, like Sam is um, an employee at, are all, also unionizing. So it's really exciting, kind of coming off the bat of this wave of labor struggles that we're seeing in the U.S. We've called Striketober um, that happened at the end of 2021. You know, there were tons of workers on strike, Kellogg's workers um, that produce, you know, uh, our food. Um, the John Deere workers were on strike. We had nurses on strike, teachers on strike. Um, you know, we're just seeing this huge, huge upswing in the labor movement. But Sam, can you tell our, um, our viewers and our listeners a little bit more about what's happening specifically um, with Starbucks workers and also local coffee shop workers. Yeah, um, there's so much. It's like I, I feel like every time I try to talk about it, I'm uh, a step behind where we actually are. But at the time we're, um, we're having this conversation, there's somewhere around 60 uh, Starbucks locations across the United States. 
um, that have filed for National Labor Relations Board elections, filed for union elections. Um, so far, two stores, in Buff both in Buffalo, New York, which was the, the starting point of this wave of Starbucks organizing, two of those stores have won their union elections. Um, and at the same time, you have a number of uh, local like small businesses in, in different cities around the country that are doing the same thing. Um, so in Boston, for instance, I work at um, a coffee shop called Darwin's Limited. Uh, we have uh, four, just it's just a four-store little local chain. Um, we're the second out of three so far that have gotten voluntary union recognition um, with the, this wave of young um you know, young coffee shop workers um, and very young workforce, average age of 24, um, disproportionately women, disproportionately queer, um, like leading this, this wave of, of bringing unions to a, a historically unorganized sector in the country. So um, lots and lots of momentum there. Um, my, my union is, um, is moving into contract negotiations. We've just had a couple of sessions so far, but there's a lot of, a lot of work to do in terms of um, strengthening um, our union and evolving um, more of more of my coworkers in that that is so amazing and, and i think that everything that toya said as well like obviously uh the u.s is notorious for the lack of organization especially in the sectors but i also think that generally across the world uh in most places these sectors are kind of traditionally unorganized uh you know it's a lot of uh, precarious work a lot of zero hour contracts a lot of people coming and going and it's not one of the you know uh, bases of organized work and I think that talking about Striketober uh, and all of that I, I, it looks like there's kind of like specifically a US trend but also an international tre a trend of struggle so whether it's getting involved in your union or organizing or going on strike all like just industrial action generally just seems to be so much more prevalent now and especially in these sectors that we haven't seen much organization before so i was wondering sam can you can you tell us a little bit about why you think this is happening right now after all of these years of setbacks yeah i mean um it's, it's exciting because it's I, I feel like food service right now and coffee shops are just the latest of of a bunch of industries i mean all industries you know eventually like started out with um a lot of these these same like precarious conditions and then fought for union recognition and then they became sort of more respectable jobs food service has been very precarious like you said for a long time um zero error contracts or as we call it here um at will work like you can um you can lose your job at any time um you see people like if if there are benefits offered um at these coffee shop jobs um, it's often only if you work over like 35 hours a week and a lot of people don't both because of, um, uh, schedules not being, uh, dependable. You don't know when your, your hours are going to be. Often managers will like intentionally schedule you below that threshold so that you're excluded from the benefit pool. Um, yeah. And, and low pay, a dependence on tips, um, you know, harassment from, from customers, from management, no recourse for that. You know, you're dependent on, um, tips, especially in the U.S., like the 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 question of tips is such a huge one. Um, you know, there's there's an incentive when you when most of your income is coming from tips to run the store with with less staff, so everybody's more overworked, and that makes it harder to like be able to keep your stamina up and work like a, a reasonable number of hours in a week to uh, to even like be eligible for benefits. And of course, you're dependent on those tips from customers who might be giving you a hard time, might be harassing you, might be creepy or, or whatever else. Um, 
So all of that was there, and then COVID comes in, and a lot of these coffee shops, um, you know, here and in other parts of the world, stayed open. Um, you know, the the ones that um, do take out um, food, I mean, that that became like essential work, right? Like making um, food, making drinks for frontline workers, for for hospital staff, you name it. Um, but you know, through it all, like we generally haven't gotten hazard pay. We've had to work on the front lines of um, of, of COVID, of, of customers coming in. There have been, you know, mask disputes, vaccine vaccine enforcement, um, you know, where, where there are vaccine requirements. Um, we have to enforce those. And it's, it's hard to, uh, to do that when if you offend somebody, they might not tip you and therefore you might not, like, be able to take home pay. So all of that has just been there, has been bubbling over. Um, and then in, you know, in the whole context of this economic period that we're in, um, we're seeing people just have the confidence to fight back. We've seen a lot of, you know, we've seen the great resignation. We've seen people leaving the workforce, but with those who've stayed, there's this, uh, this increased, uh, confidence. And, you know, that is now taking root in an industry where, where conditions have been pretty rough for a while. Um, the precarity, the, the hazards on the job. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a new wave of, of young people, um, recognizing their power to fight back through unions. Sam, you touched on a couple topics that I definitely want to get back back to that question of hazard pay. I mean, this great resignation actually emboldening people to to you know uh, be able to leave their jobs if they're unhappy. But before we get into into um, into those uh, ideas, I want to ask Amy. You know, you're on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, has this unionization effort in the U.S. had an effect at all um, in consciousness among your co-workers in Northern Ireland? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that actually over here in Northern Ireland, in the north, we're actually also in the midst of quite an uptick in industrial action, you know, in workplace struggle. Um, uh, so like already just over the past, you know, the past few months, we've seen a lot of disputes of, of key workers, especially, you know, people who have um, worked the whole pandemic with, you know, getting applauded, but then just getting actually nothing in return. We've seen lots of lots of their disputes over the issues of pay, casualization, actually walkouts against sectarianism as well, which I know were mentioned at an earlier podcast. Um, like we've had education workers go on strike, port workers go on strike, crash workers, um, electronics distributors, meat factory wildcat walkouts. Um, and actually there's a really important uh, um, uh, working or occupation of a women's, ho women's hostel at the minute uh, called Regina Chelly in Belfast um, over threats of closure. Um, I think, you know, those workers have received a, a lot of support from broader working class people at the minute because it's just, I think it's just such an indictment of capitalism that when we're seeing a rise in gender-based violence, we're seeing a sharpened housing crisis that such essential services are being slashed, you know, so that's that's the other context. In terms of my own co-workers, I mean, it's really not an exaggeration that people are so buzzing right now about what's going on in Starbucks because like, as Sam mentioned about the Great Resignation, you know, and there has there had been this trend where people were starting to get a bit confident. You know, if if their employer was was like if their employer was trying to ask them to do ridiculous things, they just be like, "All right, I'm out of here." But actually, I think it's really interesting that the Starbucks workers and and the likes of Sam are actually pointing a way beyond that. You know, that you don't actually just have to go in this eternal search for a new job where you'll be treated badly inevitably. But actually, you can come to go with to come together with your coworkers and do something about it. Um, and there's been a lot of like. 
uh, unofficial actions we're hearing of like people just extending their breaks or closing cafes early just because they're tired and stuff, which is really interesting as well. Yeah, I think the, the thing about the, the great resignation, like both of you talked about it and I think it's really interesting because there's obviously around the world we're seeing it in every sector. There's huge labor shortages and uh, a lot of people just like up and leaving their jobs because they're not paying enough and they just like, they just can't stand anymore. And I think the point that you're making, Amy, is is so interesting in that in that regard because it's beyond just because we know that it's not just the one boss that's uh, the problem. It's uh, and especially in hospitality, it's literally every boss is going to be bad. So leaving is may maybe very empowering on a personal level, but it doesn't actually fix the problem. So unionizing is kind of like this way forward so I was I was wondering both Sam and Amy like uh, what, what 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 are your thoughts about it like do you think that this kind of wave of unionization is the next step in the great resignation yeah I, I can come in I guess I, I think yeah it's it's like it's a step beyond I mean like quitting was always the norm in in food service in the U.S. like there's it's an industry with massively high turnover always was or at least you know in the last period like um you know well over 100% up to like 400% employee turnover in a given year um and and yeah and this this points to um just a new recognition of the power that workers have um in society is i guess what i would say um yeah this this recognition that um you know, I, I think a lot among like a lot of my coworkers and a lot of these um, these coffee shop unions that are emerging, like one of the the main things that gets talked about is this desire for democracy at work. You know, people are feeling um, so left out of decision making in so much of their lives and especially at work. I mean, you you go and you clock in and you give up any like um, agency that you have. You have to, do, you know, you have to do whatever busy work that um, that management wants wants you to do on a given day. Yeah, but Sam at Starbucks, they're called partners, so they must have some sort of say in the day to day workings because they're partners. You know, with the executives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's what um, Starbucks corporate would like them and everybody else to think is that they're on equal footing they're they're partners but um but no i mean you see them it's interesting that they're they're that starbucks workers in particular um are you know leaning into the description of partners and saying what would a real partnership look like what what would it mean if we actually stood on equal footing with the bosses and i think it's really positive um that you know there's a recognition that the way that that you do that the way that you have power that is comparable to the power of a multi-billionaire like Howard Schultz, the, the you know, the um, owner of Starbucks. Um, the way you do that is by organizing um, amongst your coworkers, organizing, um, organizing amongst the people who, who like are the ones who are making all that profit in the first place are the ones who have the potential to, like Amy was saying, like, like stop, like close the store earlier or withhold their labor and, and therefore hurt the, hurt the bosses where it hurts, which is in their profits. Yeah, exactly. And I think like Sam mentions a really important point in that like the this idea of a great resignation of of resigning when you just hate you, you just fed up with your job isn't actually anything new in hospitality. And it's actually been like quite a historic, a big historic barrier to successfully organizing in hospitality, you know, because you'll be getting to a stage in a workplace where you're, you're you know, you're ramping up your organizing campaign and then people are like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to leave. So I think like in that context, um, 
it is really interesting right now to see just that like with with what we were talking about in terms of like staffing shortages like people recognizing this like huge amount of leverage they have over their employers where like we we know at this point our employers need us 10 times more than we need them because we could walk into any job and i think you've got those things coming together where you actually there's actually a real potential here to just like wipe out these old barriers that have plagued the industry in terms of actually making real change like that which i think is so exciting it's super inspiring to see people organizing and having the confidence and you know asking for more money but um I want to get into specifically the demands that the Starbucks workers and other coffee shop workers are organizing around. I know uh, uh, COVID demands were one of the main things, and actually there was a huge victory in Buffalo around the question of COVID um, that was won not just for those two stores in Buffalo that uh, went on strike, but for the entire company. It is so exciting. Sam, can you talk a little bit about what those workers did? Yeah, that's a, a super exciting development there and a really huge victory on a part on the part of some of those those first workers um, that, um, you know, so like I, like I was saying, like um, baristas have been um, really up against um, some of the, the worst of the dangers of, of COVID. And so these workers in Buffalo at one of the stores that just won their union, union election, one of the first um, unionized uh, coffee shops in this wave of organization, um, they, uh, they walked out over the lack of transparency over COVID cases that so many of us in the industry have seen um, against, you know, the, the store being run on a skeleton crew because coworkers were out sick with with COVID and they um they said you know what we're we're gonna go on strike until um until the the company like actually uh pays us to uh isolate like we should you know to to stay home from work you know as as everything stands like you're incentivized to go into work when you're sick or to to take risks that nobody should be taking um for themselves or for everybody else like putting customers putting coworkers at risk um so these workers uh stood up to that they said uh, we're gonna Go on strike they they walked out they had a, a five day long strike and at the end of that they um the 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 company starbucks corporate conceded that they were um going to pay for for isolation if you've been exposed to COVID on the job so an absolutely massive victory and one that starbucks has um extended to not just that one store but to um, all stores across the country which is a massive development a massive victory um, of those workers who took the the courageous decision to go on strike over it that's so important and, and so inspiring i think for every kind of worker both in hospitality and other kind of um uh, sectors that are exposed to covid uh massively um but I was wondering, is it just, is, are the unionization efforts, like all other demands, just about COVID? Or are they talking about something beyond just, you know, the current situation and the health uh, situation? Um, I think there's a whole lot that is in play in terms of what these workers across the country are going to start fighting for. Um, but this question of demands is a really important one. Um, and you get varied answers. I think um, one thing that we are seeing right now is a real need to to deepen this question of demands um, for workers to, uh, especially this, this leading layer of workers who is um, helping to organize the union drives. Um, there's a need to really um, get into conversations with a broader layer of their coworkers 
um, and and find out what the what the main demands are. Obviously, pay is a huge one. We're we're a very underpaid workforce. Um, questions of benefits. It's interesting because Starbucks does offer a number of benefits um, that some smaller chains don't, but at the price of extremely exploitative work, like you're, there's there's no stopping. It's it's you know very very intense to, to work at Starbucks. They're, you know every every minute of your time is um, uh, you're under a lot of pressure. Um, so there's a lot of demands around um, just democracy on the job, and then the COVID demands have been an expression of that. Workers should have um, decision-making power to, to, you know, to decide how their stories run because a lot of those, um, there's a lot of shift leads, a lot of um, workers who really know what it takes to run a successful coffee shop who are completely disempowered from uh, decisions over um, ordering or over staffing or the, the types of things that make everything run smoothly on the job. Um, so a democratic impulse, um, there's these, these questions of um, pay and benefits and extending them to a broader layer of workers. Um, you know, inflation is skyrocketing at the moment and wages are definitely not keeping pace with that. Um, so, um, yeah, demands around pay that, that, um, that have it keep up with inflation. Um, yeah, and regularity, like I said, the, the scheduling can be so unpredictable, um, especially in parts of the United States that it's just, it's so common to lose hours and then you don't, um, you don't have any sense of how much money you're going to take home. So demands around um, uh, predictability, being able to, um, to budget and to, yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting that there's just so much commonality, like at the other side of the Atlantic in terms of what we're fighting for right now with like democracy is a huge thing actually on the job, zero work contracts and stuff like that. I would like add one thing actually that our branch is campaigning on at the minute, which is, is it's like, it, it reflects like quite a similar um, thing as the health and safety is that we one issue that comes up time and time again in our branch meetings is actually the huge prominence of sexual harassment in the industry. Um, we did a survey actually uh, of like as many hospitality workers as we could and we found that n only nine percent of hospitality workers uh, felt that when they raised the complaint of sexual harassment, that anything was actually done about it, you know, and that's such a huge issue. So we've got together with, actually with um, uh, Rosa, the Socialist Feminist Campaigning Group, to actually build a charter on how to concretely tackle uh, this issue. And I think, as, as I was saying, similar to health and safety, it just raises the question again that, like, it's actually workers, it's actually us in these jobs who do these jobs every single day, who know exactly what needs to be done. And the issue is there's no will there from the employers. They're, like employers in in, uh, in 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 Northern Ireland at the start of the COVID pandemic were even arguing in a completely anti-science way that social distancing should just be abolished so they could squeeze more people into venues you know so you have like that on one hand where the employers are just so obviously only care about their own bank accounts versus ordinary people here to actually take in the initiative to really concretely deal with these issues. I love that you mentioned Rosa, Amy. We've talked about it a few times on our show, um, but it's a really amazing organization, um, you know, in many countries around the world. And it's so important that we're linking, um, you know, gender um, issues to labor. You know, I, I remember, like, I, I was just going to say the same thing. I remember when I was a barista, which was like 10 years ago, we had the same issues, but because there wasn't this kind of organization um you know drive it, it just felt hopeless and helpless and it's so amazing to see what kind of organizations like rosa 
like unions, like this, the, and then the power that they're getting by the fact that uh, workers of every sector and especially hospitality uh, are organizing. It's just amazing to see that, like, pointing out this connection and i think also beyond just the you know harassment you might experience in the workplace itself but also like uh, abuse at home and all of these things that unions are fighting really hard to have you know uh, some kind of um i guess not understanding because we don't expect bosses to understand but like actual tangible uh, ways for people to uh, you know handle these kinds of abuse so it's so amazing to see the actual I guess tangible impact that um, uh, the unions and organizations like Rosa can have on these things yeah the question of gender equality is is so inherently linked to the labor movement. I mean, you know, I'm a unionized worker and even in my union, I'm fighting against the, you know, the leadership to expand our reproductive health care, which Amy, I definitely want to get into a discussion about the labor leadership. But before we do that, Sam, um, one of the demands that I know your uh, union and coffee shop is fighting for is, uh, you know, specifically around the question of healthcare for all. And I think that's really inspiring and like ahead of where a lot of the labor movement is. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in this this context of um, this, this young wave of workers who have been at the forefront of so many social movements, um, so many fights for gender equality, for trans equality, for, um, for racial justice, for so much of that, um, you know, there's this consciousness that like we're we're drowning in debt. There's there's student debt there, but there's also like medical debt, and the, um, you know, there's so many of us that don't have health insurance. Period. Um, and there's this culture of like absolute desperation, and um, uh, you know, um, in, in Starbucks, interestingly, there's like an insidious side of this, which is where um, Starbucks actually does have a certain amount of coverage that um, that young people know about that it will cover um, certain costs associated with gender affirming healthcare. Um, that's really hard to come by when you're a young person in low wage work in the United States. Um, and, and so you see people taking these jobs and staying with the company for nine, 10 years so that they, um, they have that um, access to the necessary like healthcare surgeries, treatments that they need. Um, but like the the flip side of that is um, it's it's really really exploitative work. You're um you're you're stuck there. You can't leave the job because then you lose your access to your healthcare. Um, and at the same time, it's still limited to such a very small pool of of people who are working over a certain number of hours threshold um, at Starbucks. You know, and and smaller businesses, local shops like my own. Um, if there is healthcare, it's limited to a very small number of, of the, um, the most like full-time or higher up workers. Um, it generally does not include gender affirming healthcare, um, generally has very high um, deductibles and other costs like that. And it comes down to the, the point of all of this that um, there's, there have been these waves of, of social movements and, and protest activity. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the, the, the question is like, can we afford healthcare? Can we afford um, safety? Can we afford these very material things? Um, and at the, you know, in the absence of Medicare for all, you know, trans inclusive Medicare for all that, that, that covers gender affirming care, that covers free, safe and legal abortion, um, all these different things. We don't have that, but we do have um, our power as unions to, um, to extract that concession from the bosses by organizing. So where we see this demand of, of trans inclusive healthcare coming up um, in these unions, 
um, that's the context that it's happening in. Yeah, I think to me, I guess, as someone who lives in Britain, um, it sounds ins- like insane that you would even need to talk about healthcare. And it's so important that this kind of, uh, the unions are taking this on board and like pushing for it, even like, you know, outside of the context of COVID, but especially in the context of the, context of the pandemic. But I wanted to ask uh, uh, Amy a little bit about kind of, because uh, of kind of your role in the union, I was wondering because a lot of the times we're seeing this discrepancy between kind of workers really ready for action and like, you know, organizing en masse and then union leaders maybe pushing the consciousness back a little bit. And I I was wondering what what is kind of like your position on it? What what do you think um, needs to happen for the unions to actually, you know, do what they need to do and help workers? This was such a great episode. Always exciting to hear about unionization. And I, I know that like I keep hearing all around me, even though I'm not a barista anymore, keep hearing all around me about people uh, unionizing. And it's just so amazing to see these kind of drives that we've seen, I think, across the world uh, in the last few uh, months. So uh, really important to discuss it in the context of Starbucks, but generally, I think so. Uh, really happy to uh, kind of hear from Amy and Sam. But now we're going to move on to our favorite part of every week, which is the shout out of the week. And this week we are going to uh, talk about the Clover, uh, the Clover um, uh, strikers in South Africa. Uh, we had a international uh, day of action on the 27th of January where people from all around the world uh, went to the, the nearest South African embassy, uh, to their home, to protest and uh, uh, kind of show solidarity with the 5,000 clover workers uh, that have been on strike since the, st- the 22nd of November uh, last year. And obviously our organization fully supports the workers and their demands and uh, also calling for the escalation of demonstrations to kick off this year of struggle. Um, and as we've seen, there's so much uh, struggle going on. Uh, so it's really important to support uh, workers that are on strike like that. And I think that it's also important to mention that kind of, you know, we all know that in order for companies to maintain kind of the, the competitiveness under this uh, capitalist system, they have to always increase their profits uh, and expand, expand their market share. And for the working class, what this means is not, you know, more benefits and uh, better stuff, but uh, it means uh, uh, lowering wages, job, job cuts, uh, and kind of increased prices and consumer goods as well. And that's basically a race to the bottom uh, uh, and worsening inequality. And this is why I think the demand that the clover, uh, the clover strikers have to nationalize clover becomes such an important part uh, and, and kind of stepping stone to workers' control over the entire economy. Uh, because kind of in order to abolish this sick capitalist system that puts profits before people, we have to kind of... Uh, think about the systemic ways that we can change this and we can't do this without replacing the system with a socialist economy that's based on need and on the democratic decisions of the workers who like we said over and over again in this episode know best uh, what is happening in their industry so solidarity to uh, the clover workers and uh, thank you for everyone who participated in uh, pickets and demonstrations outside the South African embassies in that country Uh, 
Now, this is the end of our episode. Uh, so hopefully see you again soon next week. Uh, you know where to find us uh, and see you around. This is World to Win. Every Sunday, we broadcast with speakers from across the globe, bringing you the latest news and analysis on the fast-moving global events from a socialist perspective. Subscribe to the International Socialist Alternatives YouTube page and click the bell to get notified when we go live for a new episode. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram because there's a lot to do and we have a world to win. When they fight! When they fight! When they fight! Solidarity!